Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 76 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius Dean Ayers, and I am joined as ever by the sports journalist, the features editor of hookedonwrestling.co.uk and long-suffering Charlton Athletic fan, Liam Happ. Liam, good evening. How are you doing? Good evening. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right, as, as you can probably make out. You've, uh, you sound like you've got a gobful of something there. Yeah, I need to get these in, you know, because very soon we'll be going over another exciting episode of Nostalgic Nitro. So I'm trying to get in my dinky deckers before we start proper. Dinky deckers? Dinky deckers. So... You're familiar uh, with the double decker, the, the double decker. Yep, I'm. I'm very familiar. I have. I have a friend. This the. It's the like the nougat on the top and the biscuit on the bottom, and it's all covered in in chocolate. I, I've got a friend of mine who coincidentally is called Carl Anderson, not that one, and he always buys two double deckers, one so he can eat it and concentrate on the chewy, and another one so he can concentrate on the crunchy. So when they did the uh, the little king size ones of two miniature bars it was perfect for him yeah uh, as you do it's uh, sounds yeah. like a perfectly sane strategy for eating chocolate but okay. it is a bit weird you know yeah. <laughs> double the calorie just to not just because of a fear of missing out basically <laughs> um so yeah dinky you, you'll be aware that there's been a over the last few years there's been the the junk food cultural phenomenon that is taking every chocolate bar known to man and converting it into miniature versions that go in the bag almost like chocolate buttons but it's like you can cook you can get like whisper bites 12 bites yeah. mini picnic i love picnic bars as well because i love uh, double deckers that's, that's why i've gone for some dinky deckers before we start but yes that is one of the many you can get and, you can get all yeah, they... bites oh man they basically do that and, and put it in a big bag, which they call a share bag, to make out that you share it with someone else and actually you just eat them all yourself. Yeah, I call it a me bag. Although yeah. I have managed to successfully ration this particular one. That's being said, I've probably only rationed it as a before podcast and after podcast deal. I'm Fair probably going to attack the second half as soon as we're done here. Is, is there a chocolate bar that they haven't tried to miniaturise? That's what I'm thinking. Um, if there is, they're have running they have, out of them. Have they ever done the Toblerone? I'm not sure if they've done that. Um, there, do, let me, let me do you know go. what? They're, I've seen them in airports, actually, and they're individually wrapped. So it's not exactly the same, but you can technically get yeah. a bag of yeah. miniature Toblerones. No, you're right. Toblerone Mini, yeah. In, as you say, in the, you get dark and white and... Dark white and milk. There you go. Yeah, you can. Did you know, by the way, I found this out on a quiz the other week, that Toblerone bars are the only chocolate bar, I think, in the world whose shape is protected by trademark. trademark. You can't 
yeah, you, you couldn't basically there was there was there was someone year, a few years ago who you know one of these one of the probably one of the knockoff supermarkets like Asda or Lidl and they tried to do oh they did they brought out a a fake Kit Kat basically so four fingers of wafer covered you know, chocolate covered wafer and Kit Kat took him to court and the court threw it out and said basically fuck off it's four fingers of wafer and um therefore you you know that wasn't copyrighted but Toblerone the you know the, the distinctive triangular shape um if if you and I if we were to bring out a because WCW chocolate bar and we tried to make it Toblerone shape we would uh, we would get sued um by whoever is own Toblerone with a little hidden bear in the mountain so to be clear on this i'm yeah. guessing that first and foremost like with other things like when WWE trademarked something it's for use in wrestling only, obviously. I would presume so, yeah. So this is you could only if someone tries to bring out a a chocolate, specific a chocolate shaped like a triangle. And I'm also guessing that that it's not just any triangle because you can get um, quality street triangles and things. There are things that are technically triangular shaped chocolate wise but i'm guessing this is the it's the re, they call it the ridged bar don't they it's rigid yeah yeah ridged so it's triangles. a solid a solid bar yes so if yeah. you do it like that you're gonna get taken down basically yeah yeah and of course the other thing with uh toblerones it's impossible to eat a toblerone bar without injuring yourself in some way well speak when for you, yourself when you try and snap one piece off you know you either re either like smacks into your knuckle or flies into your face or something I would just use my teeth. Ah, oh, it's even worse. That smacks into the roof of your mouth, then. No, I've always been fine. I mean, I have a similar situation. I'll generally open beer bottles, especially the twisty caps. I'll use my teeth because my teeth are solid. You know, I look after them. They're very strong, work like a vice. And more importantly, I'm not going to feel the ridges of the beer bottle cap on my fingers, like I do on my fingers, I should say. Uh, and I've been at more than one party where... I've been given one of these, and I'm, maybe I'll just because I know people don't want to see me opening these things with my teeth. I will grab a, a bottle opener and I'll go, "What are you doing? It's a twisty cap. Just twist it." I'm like, "I don't really want to twist it. Look, I've got a, beer, a bottle opener here, and I don't like ripping my f- my, my finger skin to shreds." So, ah, yo, you wuss, yeah, you should toughen up. I'm like, "All right, fine. I'll open it the way I normally do if I don't be right, and I'll use my teeth." And go, oh, what are you doing? Shucky, it's gross. So I need to toughen up now. <laughs> I I take good care of my teeth as well, <laughs> and and by taking good care of my teeth, that includes never opening a, a beer bottle with them. But I, hey, I, I I do no damage. I, I'm sure you could maybe make the moonsault argument, like if you do it over <laughs> and over again, you're gonna knack your knees. But I don't really drink. I I, I I'm a weekend drinker at best. Yeah. And then you've got to consider how many times I'm actually encountering twisty caps because, you know, it's tins and all that as well. So yeah. the, the the amount I do it is very, very rare. About, about as frequently as I do a moonsault. <laughs> That's good to hear. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. And you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. So um, today we are, we are doing another Nitro watch along. And if you remember... We basically could not wait to get to this Nitro after watching last week's Nitro a week ago. 
Indeed. Um, we, we had Ric Flair going crazy. Um, and, and once again, his on again, off again, on again, off again relationship with the Giant was off. And um, it, yeah, it could be permanently off because they're now going to wrestle again for the title. But then they did wrestle, I want to say like two months, maybe six weeks ago on a Nitro for the title. Didn't they? Uh, yes. On that other, another good episode. That, that was the one that had Finley versus the Macho Man on it, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was obviously, they, they went on and off and on and off despite that. But maybe this time it will be something serious. Well, it's um, I mean, it's the main event. It's the world title match. It's mm. going to be a big deal. Um, I mean, this this all in all, this looks like a really good episode because um, as well as that main event, I'm just looking at the um the preamble here on the on the network, and it says that we've got um Lord Stephen Regal and the Belfast Bruiser no, Belfast Bruiser in a parking lot brawl, Steiner Brothers v Fire and Ice, and Harlem Heat v Sting and Lex Luger. So it's a star-studded match going head to head with a live roar by the way so that just is just a coincidence yeah yes that is why it is so star-studded so um yeah if you want to watch along with us then this episode is it's the 33rd monday nitro is the episode that was originally broadcast on april the 29th 1996 and um is it going to be another coincidentally good nitro now that hulk hogan's nowhere to be seen yeah, I'm sure the fact that last week was really good. They built up to this week's one and made us really want to watch it as soon as possible. And it is shaping up to be a good one. I'm sure it's all a coincidence. We're, we're, this is just full of coincidences at the moment. Full of coincidences. Okay, so are you ready? I are you on am zero, ready. Zero, I'm zero, feeling zero. cold. So this, this British winter, I need some burning buildings, baby. Okay, well let's play. Let's. I can't talk today. Let's press play. Let's <laughs> press play. In three, two, one, play. I'm not editing this, by the way. I just want to let you know. That, that's that's fine. That's fine. I can. Uh, it's not like uh, I get paid to commentate or talk for a living or anything like that. Oh, you know? uh, otherwise you'd be in one hell of a pickle, wouldn't you? I, I would be. I mean, imagine the carnage. So yes. here we go. So Monday what is Nitro. that poor dog wearing today? Oh, where and whereabouts are we? Where in the country are we tonight? And Eric, Eric can't give away the results of Raw, can he? Oh no! What is he going to do with himself? He'll have to commentate. Well, it's a it's a special edition of Nitro. Oh, the NBA is straight after. Oh. So they're trying to get the uh, people onto the channel. And this will be this will be uh, post season, I'm guessing, late April. That will be a, a big game. I, I I couldn't tell you exactly how it went in the in '96, but I'm guessing it had something to do with Michael Jordan. I'm I'm trying to work out what the hell that dog is wearing. It's got a a Batman picture on the hat, and the dog the dog's just staring into space like it's disgusted with what it's been made to wear. Yeah, I don't I don't blame him. But um, the commentary team are talking about how the champion, Ric Flair, has made a big mistake talking him, talking his way into this title defence against the Giant and about how he's bigger, stronger, faster. No mention of the fact they, they ran this match a few weeks ago. You might as well just reference that. You know, there's a story to be told by referencing the fact that they have a history between yeah. the ropes. 
Eric's looking very casual, just wearing a black T-shirt with some logo on it. Well, I just I hear the music in the background. Harlem Heat are the first team out, and it has reminded me not only that it's it's not actually that often they've appeared on Nitro since we've started these watch-alongs. No, but also it's reminded me of that debate we had about what exactly they are saying in the lyrics. Is it yes? Is it no? Is it ice? Is it cold? I always thought it was yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. They gave it to Harlem Heat rather than the Zodiac by mistake, I'm guessing. <laughs> and do you know something? Apart from like people like Ric Flair who've had cla- and Matcha Man who had classical music, there's very few people who've had the same entrance music for so many years across two promotions as well as Booker T did. Yeah, it's a big accomplishment because WWE really did try to strip down so much of anyone who came over after WCW disappeared. And Mm. it's impressive that for whatever reason, they decided to keep the music because the music is Booker T. And yeah. it is Harlem Heat, but Booker T, obviously, Booker T went singles for many years after Harlem Heat was done with that music. So Luger's full-blown babyface again now. I think Both it's done, tag yeah. champ and TV champ. He, yeah, it's, he's it's very done. close to challenging. I won't say who, because it might spoil tonight, but he'll be challenging as a babyface for the title. And then, of course, he'll be on Team WCW. And one of the greatest things that Nitro ever did, especially early on, has ended with a with a whimper. Although mm. anyone, I know a few of our listeners are very into their those stuff. If anyone can maybe say, well, actually, they did have more of a payoff or more of an acknowledgement of it on Saturday night. Tell us. Yes. We'll find that episode. We may even do an ep- uh, a podcast episode of it. Yeah, because as we said, you know, this is the... The dying, the dying embers of, of Saturday night being the prime show, and it's uh, we're we're going to be going into the two-hour nitros very very shortly. And one it's month at that away. Point, so again, one month away. Mm. Yeah, and, and at that point, Nitro becomes the flagship show. Indeed. Head to head with Raw, which is obviously the flagship show of WWF. Yeah. And um, it is ba- basically we are we know we're on a collision course with a very infamous Nitro, uh, May twenty seventh, nineteen ninety six. That is both things. It's the start of the outside of outsiders angle. It's it's happening to both of us tonight. It's the start of the outsiders angle, and it's the start of the two hour era. So yes. it's going to be a big shift. Enjoy these short trips as well. Last, I'm up for doing some two. You know, they'll they'll clock in at about one hour thirty, one hour forty without adverts. I'm game yeah. if you are. Yeah, I'm reckoning if it's forty five minutes for a, a one hour nitro, then yeah, it should be about an hour and a half, just over that probably. But if but we, we make it to the three hour era, fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> Sting black tights with kind of rainbow patterns scorpion down the uh, down the side there what i like is that is they're doing a very slow start stalling a little bit building into it and what they're doing is because i noticed that there was quite a bit of a roar from the crowd at the start of it, it did seem mm. like a lively crowd and obviously 
you know, they've come to the ring, they can hear it backstage, they're feeling they've got a nice little crowd here, and they have really done that slow build. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this firsthand many times yourself, Dean, where wrestlers, if they anticipate or they hear a a, a hot crowd, they, they'll absolutely milk it before they get to work work. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, you get a nice uh, bump off a clothesline from Booker T there. Yeah, you, you know, you if you're backstage, you will hear that crowd. And if you hear it's you hear it's a good a good noise and you know if people come back and say that it's a good house in other words you know there's a lot of people in there it just gives you that extra little buzz before you come out um and yeah you know the in many ways the longer you can can just uh stall things and wind the crowd up and get a get a reaction out of them by doing as little as you need to do it just preserves your energy for when when you want to get on with the with the match and i think that's something that a lot of a lot of the youngsters these days don't don't understand they just want to fly out the blocks and do their match and it's you've got to read the crowd you've got to read the crowd yeah, because when they do indeed, as as the phrase goes, get their shit in. If you can, if you can get that that pan nice and hot before you get your shit in the pan, it's yeah. gonna really sizzle. I'm loving my mixed analogies here. Um, I also want to ask you. I'm I'm now curious. Have you ever been there party to a situation where uh, the man or lady in charge has? made some switches to the time cues on the fly. Like, for instance, maybe you'd, if you're in this situation, you've got Sting, Luger, Harlem Heat, hot crowd, you're thinking, you know what, maybe maybe give them a couple minutes more so they can really do their match and milk the crowd at the start. And we'll, we'll, we'll cut a segment or we'll trim it off the, the parking lot brawl because, you know, that's a... Yeah. I, I, I've i had t- um, time cues altered mid-match, but it's always been taking time off because the other fuckers in the previous match had gone long. Ah, see, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was, I was aware of that being a thing. I think a lot of people read up their wrestling scene because uh, Dave Meltz reports on stuff like that happening. It's a shame that there's not been more, you know, more proactive uses of it, more strategic uses of it. Actually, I tell a lie. I have I have been at a show before where someone's been told to go longer because, um, you know, someone else on the card has arrived late because of an accident on the motorway or something ah, like yeah. that, and they need a bit of. But that's more to do with the the other people needing a bit of time before they go out, rather than you're doing so well that that we want to keep it keep it going for a couple more minutes. And I suppose, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, there's also been situations, I'm guessing, not necessarily ones you've been there for, but sure there's been situations in wrestling cards where, you know, they, they, the bookers are aware before the show starts that they've got to spread out a bit because maybe one match has been cancelled. And mm. I suppose they could maybe read how the first match is going. Oh, no, they're, they're a bit shaky. Let them get out of their normal time. And, and do you know? Do you know what I mean? And then you find the right match to turn around on the fly and go right. You guys can inherit the extra five minutes because things are going well because the fans are into it. Yeah, I mean, the, any extra time does tend to get swallowed up very, very quickly. But one thing, <laughs> one thing I've always, always done is um, obviously unless I'm on the first match, is um, to just you know watch at least a good you know good five ten minutes of the first match just to gauge what the crowd are like, what they're reacting to, and then you can feed that back to your match. So you, you you 
you're playing to the yeah you're playing to the right audience as such. Fair anyway, enough. we've got uh, Booker T and Sting in the ring here. And this has been definitely this is a, a a match of you know high star power to try and um to try and grab people's attention and stop them going to Raw. Yeah, uh, and I want to be clear because you know we did get caught up in a in a very interesting conversation there, and we will we we do take the alternate commentary route sometimes with these watch-alongs but i want to be clear we're not talking about different things because we're bored this has been quite a good match you know the crowds into it commentary i've noticed Ooh. have not gone off on onto different topics they have mentioned no. a couple of things but they've put a lot of effort into this match uh bobby heenan was just shouting at harlem heat for showboating rather than going for the cover which is a classic little bit of uh, color commentary that the team can add it's been good stuff and the fans are into it yeah i mean listen to this crowd now chanting for sting high energy even stevie ray is moving about the ring which is about the biggest compliment you can pay for an energetic match. Stevie Ray is working. Back comes Booker. And it's been a sting in there for a long time. Double clothesline. They both go down. So this is your classic double down just to give, give them a breather. But also, just and as you can see from just looking at the crowd, this is the opportunity to get to give the crowd a chance to to get get their get behind the guys they want to get behind and and there big big cheer for the tag to Luger because you've given the crowd that moment to just catch their breath and show their support basically yeah they catch a beat and then they pop again and it's working lovely yeah that's also where um if you've if you've had a big exchange between two you know two guys who put a lot of moves into their matches, that's where you'll get, traditionally, you know, you'll get a double down or something, which then gives people the chance to do their this is awesome type chant, where you know, they've had a chance to take in and digest what they're seeing. Oh, Jimmy Hart has come, in, come to ringside. We had a, a powerbomb elbow drop combo. Jimmy Hart's throwing the towel, trying to throw a towel in, but they're not accepting it. And now Booker is press slamming him into the ring. To be clear, if that had actually worked, it would have cost Sting and Luger the tag titles. Sting Uh, rolls up Booker and out of nowhere to a very big pop, we get a win and a successful title defense. So does Luger know what happened? Just when we think that the situation, or as we like to say, what's the deal with Sting and Lex Luger? <laughs> just when we think that deal is done, uh, we have another little wrinkle. But at this stage, it's not like there's a cohesive story arc. It's basically just the same tease on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And then it's eventually it is going to disappear. But yeah, if, if the referee had recognised that towel being thrown in, that would have that would have cost them the tag titles. 
Jimmy Hart's so bloody good as well. The way he just took that bump over the top rope, the way his, he just moved his hands up and down the ropes to make sure he got in the ring smoothly. Fantastic. Rumour has it, then, that when he signed for WCW in 1994, he actually bought out Harley Race's managerial contract <laughs> for one bump per match. Per match. Okay, so... I don't, I don't recognise this, this music. music so I'm presuming <laughs> by by elimination, process of elimination, this has got to be Fire and Ice, Scott Norton and oh, Ice yes. Train. Who were, you know, in, in a very stacked tag team roster at the time, not a bad addition, especially if you yeah, just need a... They're, they're not exactly going to be top of the ranks, but they're going to... I'm guessing that's exactly what they're going to do here. They're going to give a decent stiff test to the Steiner brothers. Yes. No jobbers, oh, yeah. but also it's not as if the road warriors have to lay down for the Steiners either, because we've already seen in previous weeks, that's clearly a fucking problem for them. <laughs> but yeah, we've got two guys here who will look good for being suplexed by the Steiners, basically. And am I right in connecting the dots, the ice stuck around under contract all the way to the very end and was the same guy who showed up as M.I. Smooth in 2001. I believe he was M.I. Smooth, yeah. Harold Hogue, um, friends with uh, Doug, our mate Doug Williams. Um, I think he did quite a bit of wrestling in Germany before he went to WCW or maybe afterwards. Um, Do you I, think but, Doug uh, yeah, could put a good word MI in? Smooth. Quite possibly. We do love an alumni on here, don't we? We do. I was uh, talking on Twitter today with Gary Michael Capetta briefly. I'd love to get him on this podcast, have a chat. I'd love to get him to do an ident to go along with the Jeff Jarrett one. <laughs> well, Gary Michael Capetta was the voice of, of WCW back in the glory days of the three a, Saturday night 3am run. He, he was not about. only a good announcer, and obviously you want to be good, but he was distinct. His voice, you will not mistake for any other commentator, yes. regardless of quality. And I think you need both of those things. You need to be good at your job, but to have that distinct voice, I mean, the way, I mean, we got the Steins this ring. You remember he always be, you know, the Steiner Brothers. The way he would say, I can't do it justice, but yeah, you think of those early 90s guys. And he, uh, he'd always leave out the... Uh, the grammar, wouldn't he? On because instead of saying weighing in, that so he just say six five two eighty seven. Yo, yeah, it's crazy that I remember this shit even now. But but that is another Especially testament. The, uh, the jobbers on on worldwide, it'd just be you know two hundred thirty pounds. Snake Watson or whoever it was. <laughs> That's if you a remember great the wonderful Snake Watson. He's no well, pork uh, chop cash. But no. it's not bad. Oh, Vic Steiner going for the big German suplex on Ice Train. And also, I once wrote to Gary Michael Capetta, and he wrote back to me. And if we get him on the, on the podcast, I'll tell you all the story. And he will probably quit Skype instantly upon hearing it. <laughs> <that. laughs> oh, wow. Big head and arm suplex. Norton actually looks annoyed at that. Yes. He does look a little annoyed. Annoyed at getting caught. 
here we go, and another big suplex. Now, these two would definitely have met previously in Japan. Norton, the big star in Japan. I think it was a former IWGP world champion very briefly. If you like two great big tough bastards called Scott going at it, this is your match. Yes. Oh, Steiner caught off the top into a press slam from Norton. And I think the tables are going to be turning a bit here. Basically, Scott Norton is doing the Steiners on the Steiners. (laughs) Some of these guys just notice they're very... they're either very brave or they're just so experienced. The the timing of the way they snap their heads over to flip onto their backs. Uh, I, more than once in this match alone, I've I've sat there thinking, "You're gonna land on your head, you're gonna," and then they flip over. It's like, yeah, that'll be the Japan experience. Yeah, I mean, so often now in modern wrestling, people just do a full. They you know they go over at the the. The exact same cadence, you know. They look yeah. like they're doing a graceful summer sort in the air. And I've got no qualms with that as a fan because if it means they're safe, I'm not going to go put more snap into your fall, you know. Yeah. But these guys are putting snap into their fall. And um, Ice Train did a big boot to Scott Steiner, lost his balance, fell over, and basically sat on Scott Steiner's face. But um, oh, he's now. Going to get butterfly suplexed by Scott. No, he's not, because Scott Norton's coming with a big clothesline. This is a hard-hitting match. This has not stopped. And Scott, that the sorry, pin? Rick Steiner has got a pin out of nowhere on Ice Train with a big Steiner line. I'm guessing that the uh, Frankensteiner or the top rope bulldog wasn't an option with people that size. But, yeah, that was, that was all... To, to uh, to coin a phrase, to, to use a cliche, that, that was all action. That just did not it did not stop. It was blinking, you'd miss something. Uh, another one that might come to mind, unfortunately, is Bowling Shoe Ugly. Um, I've got to be honest, that's one of those matches where if it went long, it would have been a train wreck. It was three but, and a half minutes. So yeah, that, you know, but as was... a sprint... You know, there yeah. was hard-hitting action. But, but yeah, some of those exchanges, it was very awkward. I think Norton looked a little peeved at one point. A uh, couple of miscommunications. It was it was all very... They were just winging it, weren't they? Let's go out, let's go out there and beat shit at each other for three minutes. Hey, lads? Yeah. According to Mean Gene, who's out now, they're literally hanging from the rafters. Literally. He's yeah. got the Jamie Redknapp literally disease. Here comes Ric Flair, the world heavyweight champion. But will he still be the champion at the end of tonight? That is the question. Yeah. Maybe Mean Gene was referring to the lights. Because they are hanging from the rafters. <laughs> the lights are hanging from the rafters. They are literally hanging from the rafters. Here comes a Woman and Elizabeth in a gold jacket. And if you look at woman, right, if you look at that look on her face, she's just itching to cheat. <laughs> right? She must be so disappointed no, this only an interview segment. No, no, no. She is itching to flirt with Mean Gene right now. Well, if you can't cheat against Flair's opponent, I suppose you try and get Mean Gene to cheat on his wife. That's close enough. Here we go. Look, she started already. She has to be the most restless valet in wrestling history. She is fun. She was best. Bless her. She was always fantastic. busy. Always doing something. Mm. 
obviously in this situation she has to do the work of two valets so <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> seven foot four ignoramus. Bonus points for just using the word ignoramus. Now we're concentrating on Elizabeth, who isn't reacting in the same way by any stretch of the imagination. He's obviously got a big title match against a huge giant who's very much a threat, as he saw in the last match with him. And he still squeezes in the time to antagonise Randy Savage. Yes. <laughs> You're a cold flare. We, we've said before, haven't we, Dean, that they, they drag this Flair Savage thing out a lot. It's, it's gone for very long. But the one thing that keeps it going is, is Flair's performance. Yeah. He's just so good. woman is blowing me and G's moustache <laughs> she is just fantastic <laughs> the giant is a small man next to the nature boy and we're not talking about height here the thing is, is Flair, Flair's got such energy in this segment and we normally say he's on the good coke and he probably is but <laughs> It's also fair to say, I think, that he's probably really looking forward to putting Giant over. Spoilers. No, don't say that. We've spoiled it for the last six weeks. Even when we covered their first match, we were talking about what's going to happen here. Oh, and by the way, belated, I know, but Liz was in leather. Leather boots and a gold jacket. This has been and the leather skirt. This has been your yeah. weekly Liz in leather update. <laughs> oh, I believe we've got the very first Blood Runs Cold vignette. Oh wow, this is a hist- oh, we we knew we were in for a great episode, but this is seminal. And I mean, out of all the things that WCW did, this was one of the biggest anticlimaxes around, wasn't it? It was, but you'll remember our Bash at the Beach 97 podcast with Finn Martin. And yes, that is over a year on the time and away from this. But they did have a a very momentary time where all that Mortal Kombat stuff was led to some decent in-ring moments. Yeah. I can't believe they've actually got Elizabeth trying to... uh trying to handcuff Hulk Hogan in a highlights package clip. They took the part of it that didn't look like a complete catastrophe, which is why that particular clip lasted 0.04 seconds. (laughs) Yes. Here we go. We've now got the parking lot brawl, which is basically outside the arena with four cars parked at right right angles to one another. And they've got a crowd for this as well. Yeah. Yeah. So they've oh. got a hot crowd inside the building and they've got, I want to say about, oh, oh wow, sorry. his foot just went through the window. <laughs> oh, man. Not only did Finley's foot go through a window, Regal's then bashing him into the rim of that and you know there's going to be shards everywhere. Yeah. He's too fearless. But yeah, there's about, I want to say about three to four hundred people outside. Now, this is very unusual because this kind of match does not fit a a lord. It doesn't fit 
Regal's character, but it fits Darren Matthews, the real life Steve Lord Stephen Regal's character. If you if you see what I mean. I think in their defence, they did they did play, and this again, this is why maybe we should have sorted up on a bit of Saturday night at this point. We'll we'll be we'll be concentrating, able to concentrate on Nitro very soon. But uh, I believe they did make a thing out of like Finley coming from from his past and dragging him down to the streets. Yeah. And I'm not sure if WCW made a big thing of this. I know Scott Hudson did on Worldwide later on when he was there in 99. Um, and I know WWE did. But I think they do talk about him being raised on the mean streets of Blackpool and fighting the carnies. I believe it does get referenced. Right. And of course, yeah, these two know each other very, very well from the British scene, from the European scene. And yes, they, you know, they quite often would beat the shit out of each other for fun. They would feel very comfortable doing this match with one another, whereas other people, you know, and I think this is a testament to, do you remember that really good uh, parking lot street fight between Eddie Guerrero and John Cena? Now, those two would have wrestled a fair few times over, what, 18 months by that point. Mm. But not not to the not to the stage where these two are familiar with each other. I don't think no. it was that much. So it's a testament they've gone and done good work there. Also, very recently on AEW, there was that, do you remember that tremendous best friends versus inner circle yes. tag match? That was fantastic. And again, no, those two teams won't be as... Uh, familiar with each other as Regal and Finlay. No. And uh, Regal is getting choked out with a seatbelt in one of the cars that's got its window open. I've just checked the time. We are more than halfway through this episode. It feels like I've been watching this for five minutes. Wow. We are in a sweet spot for the show, aren't we? Yeah. We really are. Coincidentally, once Hogan's fucked off. Yes, it's uncanny, isn't it? We're not just, just saying, yeah, we're not just saying this because we didn't like him on the show. The the quality really has jumped up, and we were always, you know, if there was a show that was good and then Hogan was on it as well, we were always faster. I remember there was one where they had the infamous Sting versus Hogan dummy run. Do you remember that one? Mm. And we said Hogan's work was good, the show was good. We 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 will call it, we will call it as we see it and. The fact is, he's gone and it's got good again. Yeah. So they're in the in the the, the bed of a pickup truck, basically. That's what I'm trying to see if there's much blood on them. But one thing I can see is there's oh yeah, there's blood. They've got like proper, you know, natural cuts on their legs and stuff. But yeah. I also see. Regal's wearing a white nitro t-shirt and it's going and it's turning grey from the dirt which is which is another great effect because I believe they say sometimes in wrestling don't they say like if you're going to do a big blood situation maybe wear white to accentuate it absolutely Hogan's Uh, a master you watch Hogan when he was in Australia against Flair or he had that match on the TNA pay-per-view against Sting and he bled and surprise surprise he was wearing white, not yellow or black. Yeah, and it's working for the because he's picking up Regal. He's picking up loads of grub and dirt. So is Finley, but he's wearing a black vest. Yeah, I mean, it only takes one of them to 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 
to sell. You just need one to pick up that visceral effect, really, don't you? Oh, another window's yeah, or gone. Yeah, we just smashed another window. Big gasps from the, from those watching. Well, it's always a spectacular spot. So this is basically just punching each other now. We've had several uh, bumps onto the, the bonnet and the roof of a car. Regal's now got a bumper that fell off a truck. It, it's uncomfortable viewing, but not in a bad way, in a in an engrossing way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can't take your eyes off of it. Elbow drop onto the bonnet, or the hood, as our American friends would call it. Just oh, going for and... a tombstone. <laughs> yes. Just going to say, tombstone in a car park, that would not be any fun. The tease worked. People reacted. They knew what was coming. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, Regal is now trying to go for a normal pile driver, but he gets backdropped onto the, the roof of the car. Oh, man. Oh, low blow by Regal. Yep. I oh, he's was... going for it again. Yep. Oh, <laughs> and he's got it. Oh, pile driver on the roof of the car. Do you know what? I think he, I mean, the car's spent anyway the car's totaled but i think that pole driver destroyed the suspension single-handedly of that car <laughs> watch regal that back wins. it's a great effect regal wins with that move finley's back up on his feet already which i think he probably should have maybe sold it a bit more but hey who am i to argue with fit finley yeah um, that's ridiculous <laughs> he's just smashed another window by hurling a bumper through it. Um, he he said he said start the cars up, blindfold them, and drive them on the interstate. Heenan's now claiming that that is his car, his renter car. He's in his element, isn't he? Yeah, I love the uh, the fact that our suspension is not designed to have two grown men pile driving on it. I uh, just if if you watch that pole driver again, the car the car sinks. It's it, <laughs> it it was perfect. It was beautiful, and yeah, it's such a shame that he just got straight back up from that. Ridiculous. I mean, I know they're doing the whole thing. They're both tough, but it's a fucking pole driver on a car. Ah, but you got the spring of the suspension loop. You just said it yourself. Right, here we go. It's main event time. We've gone straight into the main event. Here comes the giant. This, right. I'm going to put this out there and we'll make our final decision after we've watched this. But at the moment, I would say this this episode has a shot to be the best one yet. Hmm. And I think I think we need we need a good match to finish, and I think it's secured it. But this has flown by; it's absolutely flown by. I mean, we've had a few good like flare tag matches and flare shithousery. We had the episode with Sting v Malenko on it; that was great. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we, we literally had Flair out here before the last segment, and he's straight back out doing the entrance again with with Pyro this time. But he's he's a star of that magnitude. 
you're not wasting TV time by having him do two entrances. No, not at all. A w- woman is itching to cheat. She she can't get down to the ring fast enough to rake someone <laughs> in the eye. <laughs> you can, if you look carefully, watch her hands. They're quivering because she's she's getting withdrawals from interfering in matches. Liz doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. She probably oh, thinks it's still Oh, there's Deborah McMichael in the same spot <laughs> every week. And what an amazing mullet on the man next to her. Uh, mullet man is also shaking his head like he's involved in it, saying, no, no, you can't have her. Mongo's continuing the threats. They're getting increasingly... It's the one thing that Mongo's done since showing up that's been really good, is 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 how much he's getting annoyed with Flair doing that has gone from, mm. uh, you know, Deborah's not going to react to it. Who cares? He's just been stupid. To, to If he does it one more time, I'm going to get him. And when was it that Mongo became a horseman? The Great American Bash. So we're not far from that either. That'll be fu- I think that'll be very fun to watch. Mm. I think pretty much the, re- the result of this does free things up for Savage and Flair to to finally enter its last chapter outside of Flair suspending Savage in 99 when he was the president yeah. and then lifting it. And, and as I've said before, I think Flair v Savage at Bash 95 is my favourite Flair Savage match ever. It's su- the intensity is something else. It's is that fantastic. the lifeguard match? I don't think it's the lifeguard match. I think it's just a regular match. It's the main event. You say Bash at the Beach? No, Great, Great American, American Bash. Because uh-huh. there was they, they did have a lifeguard match at Bash at the Beach, so that's why I'm getting confused. Right. But yeah, I'll get you now. So here we go. Bell has rung. Flair has wrestled plenty of big men before, but very few this talented. So he's going to know <laughs> exactly how to make this man look a million dollars. And he did. You remember that non-finish they had on that show? It was yeah. good. He made Giant look good. It, it had everything you basically outlined your expectations for here, except for a finish. So they're yeah. running it for the second time on TV. If you don't know what happens, I know we are, we've talked about it so much. Most people know what happens here. But if you were to go into this without having a clue, uh, you would expect a definitive finish because it's the second time they've run this on Nitro. It would be silly to run another non-finish. Something like that hypothetically would probably pull it short from being the best Nitro so far. I think if there was a non-finish, it would be to build up for a match on pay-per-view where you're pretty much guaranteed a, a proper finish. At that but they, point. but they have, they have done that already. You know, with that, this is their second outing now. So to keep yeah. replaying, yeah, on Nitro. Yeah, but it's the same mistake they keep making with the Sting Luger thing, where instead of actually progressing things, they just pretend nothing's happened and run Act One over and over and yeah. over and over again. Press slam count number one. Yes. But we've also got to bear in mind that we are head-to-head with a live Nitro with the Ultimate Warrior in the main event. Which is probably, Dean, why they likely had the scenario of run a non-finish on TV like they did last month 
and we will run this on pay-per-view. And then they've changed their minds because, as you yeah. said, it's head-to-head with a big one. And this is the thing that, you know, at this stage of the game, Nitro is competing on an equal footing with Raw. Yep. Um, and, and we are getting to the, to the stage where they are starting to give away what should be on pay-per-view on Nitro to win the ratings war rather than to gain pay-per-view buys. Yeah, and there's there's a way of doing that now and then. You can sprinkle a bit of the of the big stuff here, but yeah, as as history would dictate, they do it far too much to the point where they'd lose track of the pay-per-view business model altogether. I just want to point out something brilliant I saw. Um, Flair was retreating and stalling on the outside. Giant was chasing after him, well, stalking after him very slowly. Uh, and do you know the spot a lot of heels do where they grab their valet or someone else's valet mm. and throw in front of the shield? Woman actually came over and tried to position herself to be used in that manner by Flair. She was volunteering herself. As a human Yeah, shield. she wanted That's to nasty. run that play. She wanted to do that spot. Press slam number two. To, to woman's screams at ringside. Yeah. Not, has anyone ever touched her as far as... I mean, Sensational Sherry maybe is the only one who's got yeah. a, a snowball's chance in hell. I mean, and she was, yeah, as a former wrestler, she was the one who would take bumps and so on, which woman yeah. doesn't really do. So, so she had a huge advantage over yeah. woman in that respect. Here comes, oh, they're both up on the apron now, woman and Liz. Flair is blocking the choke slam by holding on to the ropes. Now the ref's back is turned. Low blows the giant, and it doesn't matter how big you are. If you get a low blow, you are going down to the canvas. No, that shouldn't have worked, in fairness, because if Chris Jericho was telling us the truth in 2000, he's a ridiculous giant with no testicles. So why did that hurt him? Uh, it was before he lost him in that terrible accident. Ah. So how are the crowd reacting to this? Because technically speaking, we've got heel versus heel here. There, you can hear them at times, but yeah, the volume is down. The 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 cues, as as you alluded to earlier, the cues wrestlers will give them to react with their work are not really picking up. Yeah, I mean, this is Georgia, so this is WCW country. This is, you'd imagine that Flair will get cheers here. He's just nailed the giant with the foreign object, which he's put back in his knee pad, I believe, or down his boot. Yeah, from a crowd we've already established is up for this show. Yes. There are clear signs of confusion, I'd say. You can hear noise sometimes, but it's very, you know, as I said, it's not, it's not going in line with what's being presented in the ring. But yeah, that that's that's where the dynamic comes into play. That's why other dynamics are, are more tried and tested and successful. So Flair's now got the figure four on the giant, and I was going to say the giant isn't moving, and the ref should be counting his shoulders. But all of a sudden, giant has sat up like a sit up, and has now got his hands across Flair's throat, and has choke slammed him to the floor, makes the cover. And we've got a new champion. One, two, three. Clean as a whistle. We've got a new world heavyweight champion. Two and a pop. 
Yes. Which is which is the sign that the uh the, the crowd were there. They just didn't really have much to sink their teeth into. But they kept, like with the uh the tag team match earlier, they've kept it short. Flair's cheated and cheated and cheated to, to build to that moment, basically. Kept it very short. I mean that was well, official time of five minutes forty nine. But they've put him over big. Very short for a world title match, but yeah, I guess as you, you don't you, you want to keep it short. You don't want to overexpose a, a guy of that size and that inexperience. He's and we've got Mean Gene. Gene in the ring now. <laughs> Mongo's enjoying it quietly. You can hear him mumble yes. that he liked it because of the Deborah stuff. And the crowd are popping because we've got a new champion. It's the title change that they are popping for. Also, as I said, what the, the ring work there wasn't getting much of a reaction as they're going along. But everything Flair was doing, he was cheating and cheating and cheating. It did build up to that to that big pop at the end. Do you remember we said about that bash at the beach with uh, John Tenter and Big Bubba Rogers? It mm. was a payoff pop. It just meant the rest of the match suffered as a result. Yes. Yeah, Giant says he, the belt's been his since Havoc because he, he dubiously won it from Hogan and they vacated it. That was at the beginning of our watch-alongs, wasn't it? Yeah. He's laying down the challenge to all of them. Sting, Macho Man. And he's hyped up. He's pumped up for that. Big moment for him. Ah, we've mentioned Hulk Hogan there. Uh, The rule of Poochie has been observed. You'll be pleased to know. Back to the broadcast desk now. Heenan looks distraught. Yeah, I mean, Heenan called it from the beginning. He said that Flair talked himself into trouble. He's saying that He's got Savage and Slamboree on his mind. Oh, we're getting an announcement. Oh. Slamboree is going to be Sting and the Giant for the world title. So so just like that, they've snapped off a a world title main event. I suppose with Flair and Savage in uh, Lethal Lottery. Yeah. But it all seems very slapdash. But Sting versus the Giant, you remember they did that little teaser, that cold open teaser a couple of episodes ago? Yeah. It should be a fun match. You see, you you could have just announced that Sting would face the world champion at Slamboree, and then when it becomes the Giant, you know that's the match. But hey. Minor details, minor details. I, f- I find it interesting that Heenan's deflecting there rather than getting angry at the Giant because obviously they're still positioning Giant as a heel, defend against Sting at the pay-per-view. He, he's blaming Savage for being on the back of his mind and uh, and he's, he's he's threatening Savage. Oh, yeah, he's going to get his at Slamboree for this, even though he had nothing to do with the episode. Yeah. So it was good, good uh, steering of the ship back onto your traditional roles there but yeah 44 minutes 49 seconds Dean and you know it wasn't perfect but 
It was a bloody good episode. I think it might have been the best one yet. It's, it's definitely on the yeah. shortlist. Definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, really, I mean, it did. It flew by, absolutely flew by. But, um, yeah, which is what you want. Absolutely yeah. what you want. So, yeah, over just say over on um, on Raw, um, we had uh, Mankind beating Bart Gunn. Steve Austin um, had a squash match win against Scott Taylor, who'd obviously go on to become Scotty Too Hotty. Um, Marty Jannetty and Leaf Cassidy, remember them, the new rockers? They've, oh, man. They uh, had a double count out with Henry Godwin and Phineas Godwin, better known to us WWE fans as Tex Lassinger and Shanghai Pierce. And um, the Ultimate Warrior beat Isaac Yankum DDS. So uh, that was your op- that was over on the opposition. I think I think Nitro definitely had the better lineup there. I bet so, anyone who watched that episode, this episode of Nitro uh, live at the time, will be kicking themselves they missed out on that Raw. Wow. Yeah. So um, what do we have um, next week? We have got Randy Savage against Hugh Morris. We've got now this one looks good. Dean Malenko v Jushin Liger. Oh, hello. Yeah. Uh, another one that looks like a, a bit of an unusual matchup, Sting v. Lord Stephen Regal. Ah. And our main event, um, not sure how good, how much of a main event this is, but it's the, it's a world title match, the Giant defending against Jim Duggan, who he beat a few weeks ago. So a bit of an odd one there, but uh, but hey, maybe it'll play. really short of other guys to... But yeah, apart from that, it looks you know we've got another candidate for the reverse savage squash. We've yeah. got another episode of Sting wrestling with all sorts of members of the roster and hopefully having really interesting results. I can tell you, I I very fondly recall a Sting Regal match from a pay per view that's coming up very soon on the timeline we're travelling on with the Nitros. Might even be Bash '96 actually. Uh, that was a fun match they had on pay per view, so maybe we're doing a bit of setup work there. Although, you know, Sting will have his eyes on the Giant for the time being, you'd imagine. But And you've got, you know, a, a really good cruiserweight-style uh, collision there between Malenko and Liger. So, so thing, it's funny how it's not just a case of saying, oh, Hogan's not here, so we like it better. But literally, there, there is a formula to these episodes when Hogan's not on the sheet, which you can only presume is down to the fact that Hogan had the ability to change things as he pleased, sometimes even stuff that didn't involve him. Uh, and as a result, the, the sort of nitros that they originally blueprinted, one would imagine, are very good TV, and they're, they're holding up today. Mm, definitely, yeah, definitely are. Um, just looking at it, looks like um, Liger was over for the um, Slamboree pay-per-view, so they brought him over a couple of weeks ahead of time just to kind of yes. warm him up and get the crowd he used. was in the lottery, wasn't he? They did the draws last week, actually, didn't they? No. Um, was he in the street? I don't know. No, he's. Um, he's I'm just not. looking here. No, he is challenging Conan for the US title. Ah, I thought he was partly because he has been partly for lottery before, has he? Never mind me. I'm yeah. getting jumbled. This is what yeah. happens when we quantum leap WCW and we jump from the Nitro timeline to random pay per views. Indeed, but hey, it's all good fun. Yes. Right. Well, that was a most definite thumbs up. Mm. Um, very good show. And uh, looks like um, looks like the next Nitro should be um, should be just as good. Um, so all going well. We will be back next week with a pay per view review, um, and then a couple of weeks away for the next Nitro watch along. So yes. um, so basically, yeah. Thank. Just want to say thank you to everyone for taking the time and trouble to download us from wherever you get your podcast from. Please do give us a follow over on 
Twitter at BecauseWCW or Facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. We'll be back in seven days. Till then, this is the Twisted Genius Dino's on behalf of Liam Hap saying thanks for listening and I'll see you ringside.